Welcome back to the 12 Days of Restless, Day 10, True Crime at Covenant Seminary. Pastor Michael, we are back here on the 12 Days of Restless. I am watching and waiting for a baby. I am going to continue to try and commit to beverage changes. I'll get to that. (laughs) Pastor Michael, we've been doing these daily podcasts for a while. I'm hoping we can finish out the 12 Days of Restless with the same energy of the pop tarts bowl mascot i love that guy i really <laughs> so love that. i saw like memes about this i didn't actually see what happened yeah so what exactly happened what i didn't know that there was a pop tarts bowl I, well maybe so- it will shock people i'm not a i'm Pop-Tarts. not in on a lot of these things there wasn't uh, but Pop-Tarts oh, there wasn't decided to sponsor one and they had a mascot in a Pop-Tarts. They gave away a giant golden Pop-Tarts trophy. At the end of the game, they toasted the Pop-Tarts mascot, and out came an edible, like a life-size edible Pop-Tart that the teams ate. Very strange. But this mascot worked harder than anyone else. Like, he played electric guitar behind refs the entire game. Like, they just, like, <laughs> it went... It just went as hard as it could. And and the whole internet, it gave us all a happy new year. That's the energy I want to give to this. So the beverage I'm going to try and bring to you tonight is some wassail or glog, depending on what part of the world you're from. Still no snow here in the Midwest, uh, but it is getting cold. Um, It's getting cold. We've got a little dusting a little bit uh, here and there. So I will be drinking just water out of... Uh, the cup that was always in your grandma's house growing up. Very so. nice. This cup is from a church where they put a verse on it, hot or cold, but never lukewarm. <laughs> so here's to you, church marketing people. Keep giving us these mugs. If you have a great church mug, I'll, I'll happily use it on Restless, as long as you're okay with someday probably White Claw being in it. But Pastor Michael, tonight we are, well, this morning, we are getting into something a little bit like um, a segment we do for the patrons that's quite popular with them, which is where we do Conspiracy Corner. Though tonight we are not going to be explaining our own conspiracy, but we are going to be looking at some people potentially accusing Covenant Seminary and the PCA of conspiracy. Now, I to our listeners, they probably need to know, I prefaced Pastor Michael with what we were doing a bit because... Um, I didn't want to get too excited because normally on Conspiracy Corner, we're having a good time. We're having fun. Um, go back. If you join the patrons right Patreon right now, you can find getting red snapper pilled, which I highly recommend you do. I've um, heard from quite a few people that this may be one of their favorite favorite things that we've done. It was one of my favorite. I, I feel like I, we were able to get into a little bit of a groove and uh, it really is high quality content. And so we live, but we it's its just this reflection on we live in this time of extreme distrust, wondering, people wondering what to think and wondering what to believe. And we try and handle it. Um, uh, and we have a good time. And I hope we'll have a good time doing this, though, uh, because I'm about to explain the subject matter, we have to do so with a bit more sobriety tonight. Um, so, Pastor Michael, a thing I realized existed that in all my licensure all my ordination all my studying about all these tiny interest intricacies about the pca the good the bad the ugly right there being people who constantly want to bring up things 
that are negative about the PCA. Um, there was something I'd never heard about until very, very recently. And it was literally only because there was a tweet that mentioned a new podcast in association with the rise and fall of Mars Hill. And I'd never heard of the second podcast. And so I decided to do a quick Google search. The podcast is called True Believer. And we will listen to its trailer and we will stop it throughout because it's a five minute trailer. So I'll explain it a little bit up front. True Believer is a podcast about an unsolved murder that happened uh, of a student and not just of a student, but on the chapel of Covenant Seminary um, 30 years in ago. The, in the chapel? In the, yeah. uh, in the chapel bathroom uh, is where the body was at least found, this woman's body in 1990 okay so this is this is older this is older but what's shocking is it has never this crime has never been solved wow and what's even more shocking now i have not asked covenant students uh the podcast hosts indicate that uh very few um even covenant alumni since then know this occurred I have not met someone who knew uh, about this occurring. Now, again, maybe if you were in the PCA, if you were maybe the older ministers, they could tell us if they were aware of this. Uh, but this podcast is coming out to expose what happened and the aftermath and bring the story down to today. Um, and so, Pastor Michael, I think there's a lot of relevant questions uh, that go along with this, similar to um, the rise and fall of Mars Hill. I think the question, everyone listening to this or listening to this trailer, the question is, why is this being made and why is it being made now? Right. That is always the question with these kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. And we talked just a little bit even before this, that this kind of thing is, you know, I am glad you prefaced, uh, you know, what we were going to be doing with me because uh you know obviously in some ways i feel like th there has to be a little bit more of a somber tone when we're talking about somebody's life was taken that's right uh, but but the difficulty that i was just talking with you about a little bit ago is trying to walk this balance where we're careful right both of us are pastors um you know both of us are in the pca both of us have connections obviously throughout the pca and this is clearly something that's, you know, in some ways, you know, uh, targeting, accusing folks within that orbit. Yeah. And obviously we're removed some from, you know, by, by time, uh, yep. but still there's connections that we have that are, that are in some way there. And we don't want to, we don't want to be uh, glib or flippant about it. We don't want to, uh, you know, be in some way, uh, you know, airing things out in public that really shouldn't be. But yep. the fact that this is made, that this is here, uh, people are going to be wondering what's going on. People are going to be thinking about it. And so in that way, I think it's it's probably something that should be addressed. I don't know that we're exactly the right people to do it, right. but uh, we're going like we'll try, you know, I mean, we'll try to do it. But I and because of those connections, we will read Covenant's statement that was released. So, again, there are people publicly responding and they will be given their chance. But again, I I personally, um, maybe my covenant friends, maybe people will disagree. I actually think there's we'll come to the 
there there is a question about this that I think it'll get into about why this hasn't been talked about even in this trailer. And we'll come back to that. But I'll just say, as someone who loves the PCA and wants its well-being, I would much rather have this come up after someone listens to an episode of this than something else. Because I I actually want I don't know uh about the listen the hosts, right? The producer of this show. I don't know what their motivation is, but I do know mine and I do know Pastor Michaels. And so um and whether it's good or not, we live in the time where everything comes out. Yep. That's just how it works, everybody. And there are benefits and there are negatives to that, but that is just the time that we live in. Yeah. Yeah. And one, I, I think good impulse, uh, again, something we were talking about before, one good impulse within uh, Presbyterianism, within our kind of quarters of, of the reform world, of the evangelical world, is to be really careful mm-hmm. with what we talk about, be careful with our words, which is good and right, and we should do. Um, and And when something like this happens, Sometimes that can that can mean, hey, we're just not going to bring that up. We're not going to talk about it. Hey, there's a podcast that people are listening to, maybe in your churches, who they're hearing these things. Well, we're just we're just going to kind of, you know, not talk about that. Well, it's you know, that's that's a, a an impulse that makes sense, um, at least some of the time. But what that communicates a lot of the time is. Hey, please don't talk about that. Right? We're, we're worried to talk about that. We're yep. scared to talk about it, something like that. And we don't want to do that. Right. So we want to, again, it's a difficult balance to talk about these things with care, um, yep. without, without just a straight agenda, but at the same time, uh, be willing to actually discuss it. So, uh, this show is, by the way, it is only on its third episode. Um, we are going to listen to the trailer. Do you have any and, sense yeah. how big it is? I my current sense is that it's relatively small. Now, someone okay. might say, well, you guys are going to give this a lot of bigger airtime. I don't think so. Um, but we'll, we'll we're not s- recommending it, although I probably will go listen to it, um, at least at first to see what's going on. But uh, by the way, I, I, I've never even heard of this. Matt just, you know, brought me into it a minute ago. I've never heard of anything about this. I've never heard of the podcast, never heard of the, uh, you know what it's about. Um, so this is brand new 100% for me. It would be interesting to know if there are any official Presbytery or General Assembly records of anything about this hmm. dating back to this time. That would be yeah. interesting to know. We're talking today because we want to remember Elizabeth McIntosh, who she was, and the wickedness of her being murdered. I think everyone is so curious about it because the big fishy thing is how quiet everyone is about it. There might be some people that might be able to, on the seminary side, that might be able to shed some light on this case, but they ain't talking, (laughs) if you know what I mean. The number of people accused of concerning behavior on this individual campus is high. (laughs) It's not that I can't believe it, it's that I can believe it. I just know of too many cases of abuse in the PCA, domestic abuse. And I would say the typical response that I have seen is just a pretending that it's not happening. All right. So now the first 50 seconds of this trailer are, I'll tell everyone this, is when I knew I wanted to talk to Pastor Michael about it. So 
there are two things here that come out and both of them are worth mentioning. So they mention how little people have talked about this publicly, which I do think is kind of the case given the, the little knowledge of it. Now I want to say something and this is just a, this is just a reflection. So this occurred in 1990. This occurred well before everything in the world was reported uh everyone was a journalist everyone had social media right mm -hmm. these this kind of thing obviously i'm sure it was reported in local news i'm sure you know all of those things i'm sure it was reported in the newspapers there and in general there was a time just in in general parenting or like just adult culture is like right you didn't know any adult or that your parents had any money sex or sin and well, if you have parents, they probably had some degree of all of those things, right? There was just a general sense where things were like not talked about as widely. And maybe there were cases where that was a bad thing. But again, I think when we look back and we're like, oh, there's so much people clammed up about all these things. We just have to embrace. We live in a time where transparency is a necessary way to defend yourself. Because there is not really any hiding anymore. So that's my first thing. What do you think about even this kind of insinuation that all of these things, because right so far what we're getting is it's not going to be about the crime, but the cover up, right? Right. Yeah. There's some kind of cover up or just, I mean, this is what we got when we talked through, um, you know, Kristen Dumez's book, Jesus right. and John Wayne, when we've been through the rise and fall of Mars Hill what you find in this kind of, you know, journalism or scholarship or whatever it is, 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 hey, let's string a bunch of these things together to insinuate that it's all related. It's all connected. This, right. This is, and this is why this belongs in a conspiracy corner, because th this isn't just a, because this isn't just going to be a story about an unsolved murder, which we can discuss the merits of discussing that. Um, as the trailer gets to that, but that it's going to be about, well, was there an unsolved murder in the PCA? Because the PCA habitually covers up um, like men who abuse women. So because we cover up those men, it's more likely, right? Like how, how, how much conspiracy are you going to insinuate against the, the faculty, the leadership of Covenant Seminary, or maybe the denomination, right? Evangelicalism on a whole. That's the question. Yeah, right. Well, and yeah, and and especially that when you are dealing with something that you're going to say is an it's unsolved, right? Like that right. we don't like not there has not been an actual judicial process where somebody's been accused, somebody's been arrested, somebody somebody's gone to trial. Uh, so you're just going to libel everybody potentially around it. That's how, that's how this feels so far. Um, and that's, and that is, uh, unfortunately it's just common, right? Like I said, like that's, that's what we see over and over again. So it is interesting to think about, um, the, just the nature of news and information and scandal like this, when you didn't have things like social media where people are, you know, uh, kind of, you know, blowing these things up. So maybe people locally, maybe people right. in the area kind of knew about it. Um, it's, but 
the the fact that people broadly might not have known about it, um, the fact that 30 years later people may not know about it, that actually, no, that does actually make a lot of sense. Right. A young man came running in, very distraught, and said, Dr. Van Groningen, please come. Something has happened in the bathroom. It just seemed evil. And my instinct was to turn the other way from, from evil. Because it was possible that the killer was like amongst you? I think so. Yeah, it was just a really weird vibe. She was, I could describe it as Scottish strong-willed. She knew what she thought. She studied. So she would state her case, stand her ground. She was older, so she could ask for respect. She could have been their mother. I would say she didn't suffer fools lightly. You know, whether that fool was a fellow student or even a pastoral teacher, she was greatly respected and loved by people. But she was serious and she had strong ideas. I had a key to all the classrooms, except the ones in the chapel. After 33 years, I never had a key to the chapel. And that was because that's where Liz was murdered. It's an open wound that just doesn't go away. Some of the football players from the high school started following me home and throwing snowballs at me filled with rocks, uh, calling me the murderer's daughter. That prompted my parents to take Carl and I to Sioux Falls Park. Basically said, yeah, like when your dad was a student at Covenant, he was a work-study janitor. There was a woman working underneath him named Elizabeth who was murdered. You know, your dad is the prime suspect. He didn't do it. He was framed. There's such a fear. All right. So, um, so yeah, the story is a 50-year-old um, nurse from Scotland came to Covenant, came to a Presbyterian seminary uh, to get a Christian counseling degree, right? Obviously, incredibly tragic. Um, she was, she worked for as um, a janitor, as many people do when they go to seminary, right? Especially if you're a international student, right? Hard to get work, like a work visa to work in an outside thing. And so she worked for the seminary um, cleaning buildings and one morning was found dead. Now, and and that is alone just a horrible, you know, harrowing story. Yeah. Now, again, um, I think what gives this the true crime feel is the idea of like the like let's put it this way the grab the grab if you're doing this the grabbiest way possible is not is the pca corrupt but it's could a future minister of one of the like that layering of like they this person could have been amongst us that's the grabby true crime angle now um they had someone talking about how your dad was framed or whatever one of the episodes goes through the person who was considered the prime suspect, who was a student at Covenant Seminary. Um, 33 years has been investigated and for some reason never charged. Now, again, they are going to probably tell this story over weeks. So don't know why that is yet. Sounds like his kids end up doing interviews with them, which is pretty surprising since it's still an open case and your dad was the prime suspect. But again, maybe they, they believe this is a chance to clear their name. Um, so there's just some details about the kind of like little, you know, these background things that you perhaps uh, that are you're not picking up as we. Go. Yeah, it's so weird listening to this kind of trailer. Like, I mean, we so we produce a podcast. We do. Right. We get 
we get um, what it looks like to grab people's attention. Mm. In fact, there are things that we know that we can or could do right now to like grab people's attention all the more, right? Like there are, there are things we they can do, topics we can cover. In the, the mirror three times and I'll triple my downloads. Or... Yeah, right, exactly. Like we know how to weigh, expand what we're doing now as far as numbers goes. And we've specifically decided not to do some of that because we're we don't want to be manipulative we don't want to we also just sometimes just don't want to talk about certain things we prefer to talk about others like there's there are things that we are a little bit more careful about when you just listen to something like this a trailer which admittedly like you're trying to grab people's attention yeah i don't even necessarily uh want to knock you for that but when you take all these clips out of context and you're already painting a picture right that Obviously, okay. you're ob obviously already painting a picture of what you want people to think and believe about this. And it's that uh, we should smear a lot of people and a whole denomination and a whole belief system. And a, like, that's what we're going after a whole seminary. Um, that's who is to blame, so to speak, even if even if they didn't do it, they did it right. Like, even if they didn't do it, they're a part of the culture that created this now. What I want to say is that is it is it possible that some of that is not that some of that is true, right? Like theoretically, I'm not saying like actually in this case, could that be the case? Maybe, maybe. But even if it is, to to in such a you know vindictive almost way, or like in in such a malicious way, to try to be just begin the story, not even. It's not saying, hey, here's this open question. And it's an interesting story. And we want to dig into it a little bit more. It's 100% agenda yeah. from the get-go, right? From the very beginning, it's agenda. And and this is what makes the trailer. If you listen to these episodes, Michael, you're going to tell me they were much more boring and bland. The yeah. trailer is 100% more loaded than any of the episodes. Interesting. So, I wonder so if that'll change over time. Well, you This know, is, who is what I think the trailers are telling you is the conclusions they have. And the the episodes are more like uh, they're much drier. This is much more highly produced. Um, so this this even just makes me wonder, like, is the obsession with true crime in general a very healthy thing? I don't know, because, <laughs> yeah, like, I, I think I really think the question is, like, I think the motive, I think there is, again, a place for reporting. Because, again, we all know what opened this can of worms, cereal. Um, and when Sarah Koenig basically went out and told the in-depth story of Adnan Saeed being put away for a murder that, uh, based on her reporting, it sounds like it's pretty much impossible he committed. And so, right, she had recorded a story about this and then did in-depth research and said... And it's interesting. She had a very specific journalistic goal. I'm going to prove, I'm going to prove if this case was mis, like mistried in a way that this proved and show this was a miscarriage, miscarriage of justice. Yeah. I think that is probably a where the trying to get people to listen and actually doing the right thing and actually telling a compelling story. That's probably one of those cases where like those things all kind of coalesce 
into yeah, like it's not clear like you can't really parse out exactly where the agenda and you know intention stops and where the actual just hey i'm just reporting what i found what's true you know right. where that actually ends and and that and since then true crime podcasts especially have bridged the gamut from people trying to do that trying to do it poorly right the innocence project has you know they've tried to kind of replicate what she's done telling people that they believe are falsely convicted stories like that to like one's called like dr death just the like you know just the like most like grim like Ugh. nihilistic like listen to this doctor who killed 20 people you know like you know like that that's just probably not a healthy thing yeah that, uh that that no, is it's, it's not i i think there's a kind of of morbid uh curiosity at play mm. right like a kind of voyeurism that you like people want to like in a sense be a part of it right like mm. they want to be a part of some of this crime they want to be a part of some of the violence they want to be a part of some of the murder they that there's something in us sinfully that desires to like you know maybe we don't want to do it but we want to like you know be involved somehow right we want to hear about it and there's something really grotesque about it that doesn't mean that i i'm not ready to say uh you know maybe i could be convinced but i'm not ready to say all these things are always wrong that'd be wrong to make this like style or genre podcast or something like that but but it does it does play to very often a kind of morbid curiosity that many of us have you know it's the same thing that drives you know watching watching uh you know uh you know grotesque videos of people being injured or or dying online this is a really popular thing right um it's the the same kind of impulse that drives the like desire to see really grotesque horror type movies there's there's just something that you want to you want to i don't i can't parse it all out but you want to be involved somehow in these really kind of gruesome horrific things and and again like this reporting on this telling these stories again i think serial right is a was a positive example i think local news has done this forever and there are times where again it's 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 normal and like that these things get reported on and there are times where it's done in seemingly strange and voyeuristic ways yeah yeah i want like you know what makes some of this compelling is not you know, it's interesting when, you know, I'm trying to, you know, work this out just as I go. But when you listen to this and it seems like there's this like really heavy, heavy handed agenda. And like you said, maybe that's not true of the rest of it. Uh, maybe that's just what they wanted to make the trailer sound like, take the best sound bites. And it's just going to be a, you know, a kind of regular true crime kind of a deal. I don't know. But when you are, you know, really, you know, uh, kind of pushing that side of things. What's interesting is that I think what's compelling about uh, these kinds of stories is actually just the facts, right? Like they're <laughs> yep. um, like this, this is the kind of thing that sticks in the consciousness uh, of anybody, right. Who's been around it. Right. So, um, so here in lacrosse at the church, I pastor um, uh, quite a few years ago now, there was uh, a murder um, that took place right at the church. Um, not there's nobody from the church involved, nothing connected to the church. Um, it's just somebody pulled in there, 
committed a murder and left the body on the steps of the church. It was a really horrific time in just, you know, for the family, obviously, of the the woman, she was just visiting town, visiting a family member in town and was picked up by a guy and and uh, just horrific stuff, right? And this was back in like the mid 2000s. Uh, to this day, right? Like, I, I mean, I was I was a young guy in the mid 2000s. Right. Right. I wasn't at this church. I didn't know this church existed. Basically, I knew the building was here, but I didn't I didn't know anything about it. But to this day, when I tell people in this area where I pastor, the vast majority of people that I meet that are from the area. Right. They've lived here a long time. Not they've moved in, but like the people that live here, they will say, oh, is that where they found that girl? Right. Is that where they found the body of that girl? Right. So it just what, what I mean is that like the that kind of event sticks with people. Yeah. And I wonder if that's part of the curiosity, right? It's yeah. just, it's so, um, it is so traumatic uh, for, you know, obviously the people closest to it, but also just, you know, expanding out. Yeah. Uh, and so I wonder if, if that's part of it, but then to, you know, to make it all agenda up right. front, um, I feel like that, that shows your hand a little bit that you're not actually going to be, dealing with this simply on that level of look this is a a compelling and traumatic event that happened in the life of these people 30 years ago and we want to you know kind of uh figure out what happened right right like that's that doesn't seem like what you're doing even if even if because it's an ongoing investigation like you need to be careful with spreading out certain facts again i think you there is a question that you can ask why can't we solve the murder why like why couldn't police solve the murder that happened on a seminary campus and there are a lot of there are probably the answer is the reason that's an probably interesting story uh is there are a million factors how evidence was collected how how much time has passed how many people were involved how many like right there's a there's so many levels to why that's actually probably can't has not happened yeah. right that it is there's plenty to go on. I think in a lot of our institutions of the image we're presenting and keeping our vows. And I'm, I'm like, those are not unimportant things, but just everything's locked down. You talk about losing your ordination all the time over this. Because another aspect in our circles, at least, is we talk about honesty and brokenness and willingness to be vulnerable and all these beautiful things. But it depends on what you're talking about as to how far that goes. I have a hunch that some of the police department might realize the story could end up being more about bad policing than it ends up being about a dirty seminary. Well, because that is kind of the story publicly about it now outside of the seminary is that the police botched it. Not being able to have the cooperation we would have suspected we'd have gotten from the seminary was frustrating. And that played out years and years and years after that. And they actually did their own investigation, which we've never scene this is about a woman whose life was taken so what do you think about that middle section before uh, we finish out the last minute you know it's it's the same thing right like I, when you don't have context um but this this is the danger of this kind of thing is that without any context most people don't care about the context right like um, we live in a time where people want revenge like we have vengeance in our hearts 
Um, a lot of times it's because people have been wronged truly in some way, or maybe it's, it's because somebody in a church hurt them or, or uh, you know, whatever it might be. Like there might be real reasons in other words, like things that you and I might hear and we'd say, yeah, that's horrific. That's horrible that that happened, but it causes people to want to tear everything down, to destroy everybody. And so when you, when you mash all this stuff together and insinuate bad things, right? You are starting a fire, right? That, I mean, this is what the tongue can do, right? It's a, it's a, it is a, a very small, uh, small organ. It's a small, uh, ember, but it, it can, uh, have devastating effects. And that's my concern with this kind of a thing. Uh, now I, maybe that won't happen, uh, but even this trailer, man, it's, it is made to make you think there's some real dirty business going on with this church, with this seminary, with this denomination. And there could be figures who have done evil things in a seminary, in a denomination, right? Like that's, right. that's totally on the table as a possibility. Uh, but when you present it this way, it makes me a little, a little concerned that you are just trying to make it look that way, as opposed to this is the facts and this is what we found. And talking about being beautifully broken didn't help us enough along the way, I guess. On the campus of the seminary. And so kind of discovering the ongoing involvement of the administration, the knowledge of the administration. Why do all the new true crime things have this kind of music? Just this like slightly whimsical. It's almost like, didn't don't you wish we lived in a more innocent time? Like, I don't know. It That kind of. That is the thing that listening to the episodes, the use of this music, sorry to the uh, producers of the show, has driven me a little bit crazy. And so I'll cue in our horrible winter, our winter music at the beginning and end of this. Uh, so I, 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 people who live in glass houses will not, uh, will not throw stones, though. And the board uh, and lawyers being involved and that not being disclosed to the public or to the police has been really quite troubling. And I'm just speaking to my own tribe here in the Christian faith. Why is that their default mode? What do you have to lose by being countercultural? I think sometimes uh, Christian institutions are often more institution than Christian. The suggestion to go and serve other gods in the Old Testament, just the suggestion was to be made punishable by death. If we were to apply that today, it would certainly open up a few positions in most of the theological seminaries, wouldn't it? I turn to look ahead, and I hear a, a whisper, and he says, Norm. And I, I look back, and our eyes meet. And he looks me in the eye, and he says, I'm not going to make it. And he lets go. I just feel like I'm stuck now. There's no way I can resolve it. I honestly didn't murder Elizabeth McIntosh. Honest to goodness, I didn't do it. Coming December 19th, True Believer. The Unsolved Murder of Elizabeth McIntosh. Visit truebeliverpodcast.com to learn more and subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. So, yeah, I think, man, it is uh, when in the first episode, the thing that troubled me other than the podcast the most was this isn't going to be a show about solving this or whatever. It's going to be a show about Christian institutions. Yeah. And that's what made me go, ah, oh, man, come on. You're right. Like 
why would they get lawyers involved? Let me just give everyone a piece of free legal advice, not a lawyer. Um, but if you are ever confronted by the police about a serious issue, my advice would be to stop talking until you have a lawyer, <laughs> even if you're innocent, right? This is what this is the advice given to people who defend themselves in their their children in their home from someone breaking in to rob them or attack them. To give a brief statement and get a lawyer to help you, right? Like, right. Yeah, you have to realize like the the legal system is set up in a particular way, right? Like the you know police, you know when they show up on the scene of something, uh, like they're it's it's just going to take a certain form um and that form involves the use of you know prosecution of defense of like right like and if you don't know what's going on especially in the midst of like something so traumatic and and horrific right like if you don't if you don't know what's going on uh, like you have to deal with it in in those ways especially by the way like for an institution when we're talking about institutions Right? How could an institution uh, go about this by getting lawyers or whatever? Well, man, we live in such a litigious society. Um, I don't know if that's quite the right word, uh, but like people want to sue everybody for everything. Right? It just makes sense that they would do that sort of thing. Right. Now, again, I'm like I'm ready to say sometimes institutions use those sorts of systems to protect themselves when they shouldn't, right? right? Or when they've done some kind of dirty business. Sure, of course that happens, right? Uh, right. But but let's burn down everything and everyone and not have institutions because some have hurt some people is a really bad idea. I personally am not afraid of sunlight being shined on Covenant Seminary. Not because I know about its institution, know about how wonderful or not it is, I'm just not afraid of that. Right. What I am afraid Which neither of us have connection to Covenant, right? Like neither of us went there. You know, I, I know people who have gone there, but not 30 years ago, I don't think, right? I don't I don't have direct connections to anybody uh, that was around then. Probably. I might, and I just don't know, but like probably not. And I'm not afraid of a murder in my midst. What I'm actually afraid of is that story being told like the Mark Driscoll story. Yes. Both of these stories that are, um, are cat one a category human tragedy. The other story, a story of a man, um, an unbiblical, unqual right, a man acting in an uh, at least a disqualifying way in a way that was harmful to the faith of many, right? And both of those stories being told for a purpose that, um, itself, the storyteller had a purpose in telling it, right? Now, to the credit of these people, so far, they're not doing ad reads every five minutes for better help or whatever else Mike Cosper was doing ad reads for. So to their credit, so far, it's not just a we're cashing in right now. Yeah. So I, I give them that credit. Um, let me read Covenant's statement. on that could, For the record, that could be because of the size, right? I mean, it's oh, small, I, I, they might I, not be getting those offers. Just like early on for the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, it wasn't getting a lot of that either. Yeah. And then when it blew up, you better believe those things were put it that last episode. It's yeah. like every, every, 10, every 10 minutes you're yeah. pumping in as many as you can. Cause all of a sudden we've got millions of listeners. We gotta, we gotta do this. 
On March 26, 1990, Covenant Theological Seminary student Elizabeth McIntosh was murdered on the seminary campus. Multi-year investigation involving several law enforcement agencies followed. This investigation was met with the full cooperation of the seminary and yielded several suspects. However, despite everyone's best efforts and full cooperation of the seminary, evidence gathered was insufficient to file charges. We grieve this loss and the absence of justice for Elizabeth. The case has remained open and the Creevy Courier, this is how little I know about Missouri Police Department, continues to investigate the leads leads as they arise. As confirmed by Creevy Courier Police Chief Jeff Hartman in our statement of June 2023, Covenant Seminary continues to cooperate fully, providing information requested by the authorities. By extension, when asked to participate in the cold justice investigation covenant granted the team full access to covenants campus personnel and all pertinent documentation in support of their efforts to uncover information which might lead to justice the authorities like we accept elizabeth's death as tragic loss that is and continues to long for justice recently covenant seminary was made aware of a podcast about this event scheduled to be released on december 19th 2023 some current Covenant Seminary staff and faculty were approached about the podcast and ch have chosen not to participate, leaving the investigative work of this open case to law enforcement professionals. That decision has been interpreted by some as suspicious, suggesting that the seminary has complicity or knowledge that it wishes to hide. This speculation is categorically untrue. The seminary grieves the death of Elizabeth, has cooperated fully with law enforcement, and longs for justice. We believe that speculation and innuendo about the facts surrounding Elizabeth's deaths and any suspects is unwise, potentially damaging to them, and we cannot condone it. Again, Covenant Seminary has and will continue to cooperate with law enforcement officials in pursuit of justice for Elizabeth. We long for justice for Elizabeth and peace for all involved. Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, we believe Elizabeth has one thing she longed for most in the life, the eternal love of her Savior. May God comfort all those impacted by her murder. It sounds like Covenant and us have the same concern, that the speculation about this is um, is is potentially damaging, which I believe. Now, again, of course, I am not opposed to uh, someone wanting to do journalism about the case. Yep. Um, yeah, something happened. Makes sense. Somebody might want to ask questions. They might want to be involved. But also, it's fine if people who weren't involved, who, you know, are, you know, I don't know how many staff at Covenant were there 30 years ago. Right. My guess is it's not that many. My guess is there's been significant turnover since then. I don't know. Uh, but like it to read, uh, you know, current professors or whoever saying, Hey, I don't really want to talk about that. Or I, you know, that's not something that I care to share anything about, um, to read that suspiciously just right, right from the get go. I think this shows something deeper that's going on. And this is one of the things we maybe deal with some with conspiracy corner and we're all affected by it, but like that breakdown in any kind of like corporate trust, that breakdown in institutional trust and things like that, where all of us are skeptical of everybody all the time. That's just a really horrific and terrible thing, right? Like that's a, it is not a good thing. I'm not saying that it's not deserved. Right. Right. Like we'll talk in conspiracy court. I'll, like, I mean, I talk openly. 
I like I have trouble trusting most institutions, right? Most most people in places of power. I I get that 100. percent I'm I understand. I think that it's reasonable even to question a lot of these things. I just think that that it has gotten to the point where we're all conspiracy theorists with everything. Right. Right. Like our our natural frame. This is so dangerous. But our natural frame is the frame of a conspiracy theory. And that's that is not a healthy way to go about things, right? What that leads to is only tearing down. It is that critical lens, right? It's the everything you have to critique everything, you have to tear down everything, and that's all that you do. But when all you do is tear down, when all you do is attack, when all you do is look for what's wrong and be suspicious about everything and not trust anybody, man, what that leads to is um, all of us atomized, completely alone, everybody's lives destroyed. Like that, that's a really dangerous place to go. And everything becomes a rise and fall show. Everything's the story of the rise and the fall of everything. We could have done the rise and the fall of David Platt trailer that someone released for 10 minutes, you know, recently, right? We Again, it's just everything that existed for the at least the last 20 minutes is now a rise and fall story. Which it's like, maybe that's all true. Like, let's imagine every rise and fall story was true. That just means, hey, guys, <laughs> We are as a we are society wide crashing and burning. Like, 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 I'm just occurring to me if everything is a rise and fall story, that just means we're all crashing and burning. And the only thing we have left is to just cry out for mercy because everything's coming down. Yep. Well, Pastor Michael, this was a day of the 12 days of Restless. Do you think this one's making it to air? I think so. I think so. I think that, um, you know, it really is the kind of thing that there's going to be people listening to. There's going to be people in our orbit, in the orbit of our churches uh, that are, you know, thinking about this, wondering about it. And it's at least good to start the conversation, I guess. And I hope if you are one of the producers of this show, I don't know, maybe we'd have a good conversation. I just want you to know that if you're wondering why Covenant was so critical of you saying uh, we don't want to participate in something that would involve in baseless speculation. And you, you're upset because you're trying to do journalism. Let me just tell you, the trailer is why. The trailer is why, in case you're wondering. Just so you know, that's why they, they reacted that way.